Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. Well, that ability to make challenging decisions, to bring people with you in those challenging decisions, to hold your ground in those difficult decisions as well, I think is is really key in any sector. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Helen Sullivan. Helen's the CEO of Breathworks, a UK-based charity and leading international mindfulness organisation. Helen was the operations manager at Breathworks for four years before being asked to step into the CEO role and has since expanded the Breathworks programme. Helen works with a great team of 17 dedicated staff, over 40 associate trainers, and around 500 people across 35 countries. Together, they help over 16,000 people annually who are living through pain, illness, or stress. Helen joins us today to share her insight as a leader and a human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Helen. It's great to have you with us. Mm, Yeah, great to be here, Amy. Thanks for inviting me. I'm looking forward to speaking with you. So can you tell us a little bit about Breathworks, the organisation that you lead and and what you're working towards, please? Yeah, sure. So we're a UK-based charity and... uh, well, we're born out of the of the work or the, the life experience, really, and then work of uh, Vidya Marla Birch, who uh, incidentally was awarded an OBE this year for her services to pain management and well-being. Mm-hmm. Back in her 20s, she's in her early 60s now, so in her 20s, she she experienced uh, a number of spinal injuries. She was in a couple of, she was in a car accident and, and one or two other things, then botched surgery that, that followed, that left her partially paraplegic and uh, with persistent chronic pain. So she started to explore uh, mindfulness and meditation as a means mm-hmm. to, well, I suppose to live, to cope really, to cope mm-hmm. with the, to cope with the pain. And then, you know, fast forward, you know, she went on to do many, many things, but fast forward 20 years on from there, she first started um, sharing what she'd learned with others in, in her in her situation, really. So she started running courses in Manchester in the UK um, to share uh, something of what she'd experienced through applying mindfulness techniques to living, to living with pain and, and ill health. Um, so yeah, fast forward another 20 years is, is where we are now. So Breathworks were founded 20 years ago. Um, we, we work with people who live with, uh, long-term health conditions. So pain, stress, and illness, Mm -hmm. and we provide programs that are informed by mindfulness and compassion based practices to help people to, well, to live, live better. We say, I mean, live well is the aspiration, but of Mm -hmm. course, um, when you are suffering from persistent pain, well can feel like a, um, a high, high level, although we certainly hear that, uh, but yeah, to live a more fulfilling life really with those conditions. So sometimes it is about recovery, but often Mm -hmm. it's about, it's about learning to live with. So, uh, you know, cancer is now seen as a, as a long-term health condition, isn't it? So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the persistent pain that often goes with that things that are more, difficult to identify things like fibromyalgia, ME, uh, that result in um, needing to adapt your life really to to live with those. Our programs really help people um, to to do that and to do that uh, to do that well. So we we work with people individually. We also train 
um, people to share the programs, uh, to share breathworks programs in whatever setting they find themselves in. So about, so we've got, gosh, uh, over six hundred teachers now in thirty five countries. Uh, mm. About a third of those work in a healthcare setting, so they're they're taking some of uh, of what they've learned from breathworks into into their services, things like physios, occupational health, and so on, uh, through to taking it into the workplace, taking it into community settings, taking it into um, lived experience groups. Uh-huh. Fantastic. Um, yeah. That's brilliant. What progress as well in 20 weeks to get something like that into that those kind of settings. Brilliant. Yeah, from a group of people who aren't medics, particularly, yeah, that it is drawing from lived experience. Brilliant. And, and so you've been with the organisation just over eight years, isn't it? It is, yes. Gosh, <laughs> time <laughs> flies. <isn't> it? <laughs> and yeah, I've been the chief exec for just over four years. Mm-hmm. And and so, as the chief exec of an organisation of that size at that stage in its life cycle, what kind of challenges are you up against at the moment? Ooh, good question. Um, yeah, well, we're quite a small team. So we we're a staff team of sixteen, and then we have um, people we hire in to deliver our programs on our behalf. And that's there's a wider team of thirty people there. Um, we have a team of some great volunteers. We have a trustee board who are all uh, volunteers. But I think yeah, the main the main sort of leadership challenge I think for me is that. Uh, sort of shift between strategy and operations so you know a team of 16 and pretty much everyone is part-time I'm often wearing many many hats so I'm the FD I'm the head of HR (laughs) I'm the head of health and safety I'm the chief exec (laughs) yeah yeah, look after our office you know it's I think it is in a small organization and a small charity yeah it's the it's the balance in those hats and particularly uh, yeah, particularly balancing the hat of strategy when there's there's fires so to be put out that are immediate. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, and in terms of your your own journey into leadership, then did you always sort of set your sights on a chief exec seat, or did, how did it happen? Was it organic or by design? Yeah, certainly organic. It's interesting, really. Um, yeah, I never really set my sights on on that as a goal. Um, yeah, I'm from pretty ordinary sort of working class background um you know my my family's both all my family sort of worked in either in pits when they still <laughs> still existed or factories and things so um so yeah where I grew up and sort of education and things that I had um it wasn't really what we were being uh, <laughs> we were being moved in the direction of it's like well Helen you probably get a job in an office so let's uh, you know <laughs> let's let's sort of get you ready for that and uh, let's teach you to type and things like that mm-hmm. so it makes me feel really old when I say that <laughs> but actually you know it's over time and being female I think yeah, there are yeah. sort of yeah certain gender identities that, that sort of happened then hopefully it's much better now yeah, um so so yeah so it wasn't um yeah, it wasn't a sort of clear, a clear path, who, which, you know, I often talk to people about exactly this, and I don't think there is a clear path, is there, into, into leadership. I think, um, certainly for me and certainly for others around me, sort of find your way, that's, <laughs> that's the seat you're currently occupying. And of course, there's lots of mini steps, sort of mm-hmm. micro steps that, that, that lead there. When I joined Breathworks, um, at a particular time in my life where I just really wanted to work for a purpose-led organisation. I wanted to contribute my energy and my skills to a cause I cared about um, and to do it with people I cared about. Uh, so it was through my friendship with Vidya Mala that I, that I took on the leadership position. But when I first started, 
it was, well, I just want to do anything for this organization. And, and for quite a number of years, right, I had a title of operations manager, but really, yeah, I felt into that frustration really of, of not being able to, I suppose, fulfill my potential. Really, I could do a lot more for the organization, yet I didn't have the, the sort of space or the scope or the, um, well, the role to do that. It was a very flat structure within Breathworks at that time. So, uh, so when we created the role of, of chief exec, um, I I wouldn't say reluctantly uh, <laughs> stepped into it, but because I was going from a situation where all of the people I went on to then lead, I'd been well peers or junior to really. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really important to me when I stepped into that that I had the backing of the rest of the team and, and yeah, people really. Uh, so I wanted me to, to step into that. So that, that was quite a process, really, of sort of seeing myself in that way, first of all, but allowing others to get behind me to, to step up and to, to step out. Fantastic. And so those, those characteristics that are required to, to be successful in a leadership role, do you think that they are prevalent across all leaders? Do you think there are certain characteristics for certain types of organisation? What are your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, well, I'm sure they're more prevalent in... Yeah, depending on your sector, but, you know, increasingly so, um, and, you know, my background, I uh, come come from the, the private sector. I, uh, yeah, I'd done various volunteer roles with, with other charities, but it's my first leadership role in a charity. And although, of course, uh, what we're making possible, we're thinking about our social impact rather than just purely about profitability, but the books need to balance, you know, we need to, um, it is really still about running a business so that's not a very popular viewpoint but there is uh it still needs to it still needs to function as a business so so yeah certainly as a uh as a as a operator of a small business i think yeah you really need to be be flexible and adaptable and yeah be able to wear uh, to be comfortable to wear many hats so I think that the sort of good generalist yeah I've always sort of thought of myself in those terms that I'm I've never really um yeah I'm not I am a detailed person but I don't go really <laughs> down into the into the barrows and I think that's really important to be able to stay at that big picture perspective but also have an eye on the detail certainly in a small organization if it's yeah if it's not achievable if it's not realistic yeah. then yeah you, we're going to be off the mark but um so yeah that ability to to be able to be flexible and adaptable mm-hmm. and to take risks as well you know again still it's a charity but you know the the need to take risks and the to say what we're going to do, what we are going to focus on, what we aren't going to focus on, because of course there's so much need in the world, uh, yeah. and as a small organisation, there's only so much that you can you can step into. So, well, that ability to make challenging decisions, to bring people with you in those challenging decisions, to hold your ground in those difficult decisions as well, I think is is really key in any sector. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that approach to leadership, then, where does that come from? Is that from a from a previous experience? Have you worked with someone that had that kind of approach? Where does that perspective come from? Interesting. I yeah, uh, when I first stepped into this role, gosh, I mean, I knew it at the time, but when I look back on it now, <laughs> gosh, I really saw what I was. You, know, you think about the cycle I was in: conscious incompetence, probably for about two years, which was awful, <laughs> excruciating at times. Just seeing my limitations and yeah, wanting to be more. Yet I'm not there yet. Yeah. Um, so, but what I what I came to see probably about 
it probably did take about three years in, was that actually what I was comparing myself against was like the best of probably about 10 leaders, 10 really good leaders and the best of them. So, you know, of course, everyone's got strengths and weaknesses, but I was just comparing myself against like the sort of best of all the various leaders I've had along the way. Yet when when I could just relax into, hey, well, what is it like for, for me to, to lead a team, to lead an organisation? You know, what does that... Uh, what will that look like with my particular character and my particular personality? So rather than feeling like I have to bend into something mm-hmm. to be something else, you know, I'm quite, I'm quite shy and introverted, really. So what does what does that look like as as a leader uh, yeah. to be to be upfront and to be uh, outwardly facing? Uh, yeah, what's that going to look like for me rather than what that looks like for other people that I look up to and admire? So yeah, I think in terms of who I who I look up to. It's a whole bundle of, of people, really. Um, yeah, people I've worked with, either chief execs or uh, other senior leaders in those organisations. But I think there's, yeah, there's, there's aspects of characters that I I, uh, I admire. And it often tends to be the, yeah, the sort of entrepreneurialism and the, the sort of calculated risk-taking, the sensible risk-taking. I I really, uh, yeah, I, I worked in a really high-growth organisation. Well, I started my career in a high-growth organisation. It went from, when I joined, it was about 200 people to about 2,500, going from, I think it was about 12 million up to about 120 million when uh, when I left. So yeah, there was a huge growth and I you know, worked around some fantastic people around that time. So I often sort of think about, the, the yeah, the, the sort of characters around that, uh, around that time and what they were, yeah, how they were holding themselves, what they were bringing to the table, and then how how can I emulate that in a way that is well, is authentic for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that authenticity is key, isn't it? I think you oh, can yeah. take a lot from all the people, and sometimes it's the people that don't necessarily get it right that you learn the most. <laughs> You can take it and put your own spin on it and learn from it and take your own uh, perspective from it. I think that can be really powerful. It's so true, isn't it? So in terms of advice that you would offer to someone looking to follow in your footsteps, if someone was maybe right at the start of their leadership career or about to take a step up, what advice would you offer them? Uh, A couple of things, really. You know, don't be afraid to ask for help. Uh, and you know, probably be smart about who you ask for help of. But uh, yeah. yeah, build your network. Get good people around you who you can just totally fall apart with. Yeah. <laughs> and a good coach is absolute gold. Yeah, you know, I'm working with somebody at the moment who's just phenomenal. Yeah, but not everyone has the resources to be able to do that. But but accessing mentor mentoring networks are fantastic. And a lot of that, particularly when you're in the charities. Uh, charity sector it's free at the point of access people in all sorts of sectors will give their time freely to support you so mentoring coaching yeah build your network and don't be afraid to um, look stupid in front of them absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> power and vulnerability though i say it all the time that's it isn't it yeah, yeah absolutely you gotta put yourself out there first haven't you and and in terms of the leaders, so you've spoken about the people from your um, past or people that you've worked around or worked with previously, but is there a leader, past or present, famous or otherwise, that you particularly admire? Does any one person stand out? And if so, what is it about them? Mm. Yeah, it might be a bit obscure, this. Um, but yeah, I don't really think in terms of um, sort of role models and things. That's, yeah, that's not what sort of orientates me, really. Okay. Um, but uh, in terms of my own 
sort of journey in life really uh, you know how, how I came to be part of the team at Breathworks is through my own explorations of spirituality of um, learning to meditate seeing the huge impacts I could have on on my life on my confidence on my yeah ability to function in the world um, so yeah somebody who I particularly look up to and it sounds a bit coy to say the founder of Breathworks. I mean, she certainly is somebody I look up to. But um, but yeah, is is a woman called Tenzin Palmo. So she um, she is a, a Buddhist nun. She lived in she actually lived in a cave. She was in a long term retreat for for twelve years, uh, and you know experienced all sorts of um, misogynistic attitudes towards her ability to be able to well practice Buddhism, to be able to learn to meditate, um, and yeah, there's, there's a key part of her story that really, I really respond to that because uh, there's a bit of me that actually would wants to be in a cave in Tibet. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, there's, a, there's another part of me that really wants to be really active and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah functioning in the world and yeah sort of giving. Um, anyway, there's a part of her her story where she decides to come out of retreat. And she leads programs all around the world as fundraise to raise funds, basically, to um, to found a, a monastery or a nunnery for the training of of, uh, of young women. Mm. In uh, so uh, yeah, so it's it's founded by women, led by women to train women, which is re- which is really radical at the time. So yeah, a little bit obscure, but um, she's certainly somebody I look up to. Fantastic! Could you give me the name again? Sorry. Yeah, Tenzin Palmo. So she, she, her life story is in uh, yeah, a fantastic book called Cave in the Snow. Oh, I'll take a look. Really that does sound it. worth a read. That definitely sounds worth a read. And a very beautiful segue into my next question. <laughs> in terms of, <laughs> I'm always really interested to understand what people are reading and consuming. So be the leadership books or something that helps you switch off or something that's influenced you. So are there books that you would particularly recommend or particular books that, or podcasts even that you've experienced that have either been influential or really enjoyable for you? Yeah, well, um, so I'm in the middle of an MBA at the moment, which I'm doing part time. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I say I'm in the middle of it. I'm coming towards the end of it. Um, I'll try not to celebrate too much. <laughs> There's still a way to go. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, an area of work that I'm really, uh, I've come back to a few times over the last couple of years, which I just think is fantastic. And I, and I met her on a um a workshop that she was leading she's mm. a woman called uh, Anne May Chang who um, wrote a book called Lean Impact so ha- how to innovate for radically greater social good so what she's doing is I mean she was the oh, I'm going to get her title wrong but she she came out of Silicon Valley I mean a really sort of senior professional in uh, or senior leader in in Silicon Valley what she's doing is adapting the kind of lean startup model you know so the yeah. um yeah the the methodology used in the likes of google and so on applying it to the social impact sector so how you innovate your program you know how you meet the beneficiary need uh utilizing that that methodology of of, oh. of lean methodology so you know developing minimum viable products testing it with uh beneficiary groups so so yeah so I, i'm reading that at the moment so it's it going to be the sort of basis of my uh well, it's not quite called a thesis on an MBA, but the uh, the business project that I'm developing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm really enjoying her work, and then yeah, I need plenty of things to to switch off yeah. <laughs> from both yeah the day job as well as an MBA. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, my go to fiction writer I think at the moment is uh, Margaret Atwood. So okay. Novels on the go, uh, slightly dystopian, maybe for current climate, but um, <laughs> it's obviously meeting some need for me. <laughs> yeah. 
it's important though to get your head somewhere else isn't it i think i read, you see behind me i read all the time and mostly it's for work but i think there's just you can't drift off when you're reading a novel i think it's important to have that kind of escape oh, as well definitely mentally. yeah it's like a soft hug isn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> it can be and, and so can you tell us a little bit about Breathworks then? So what's going to be going on over the next six, nine, 12 months that you can share with us? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's an exciting time, actually, because we're just coming to the end of a um, three-year strategic plan. So we're just in the phase of uh, developing, well, designing and developing what, uh, what's going to be our key goals over the next, uh, next three years. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, the big thing for us is about growing our reach. So, you know, something like... One in five people live with chronic pain. One in four, uh, so globally uh, in the population, one in four uh, live with a long-term health condition. So, yeah, there's a huge um, proportion of people that we'd love to be serving with um, with our programs and services. So, uh, that's obviously <laughs> that's, quite, that's quite a leap to the world's population, but we're we're breaking that down into uh, yeah more sort of sizable chunks. But a big part of what we want to do is uh, so obviously. I've products are really tailored towards our programs are really tailored towards people who um, are in the healthcare system. So whether you're, you're currently living with, whether it is chronic or whether it is actually short term, we really want to uh, ensure that all points in the uh, patient care journey that, that, that a Breathworks program is offered and available to, to people throughout that pathway. There's a lot of time when you're waiting around, there's a lot of time when you're worried, nervous or inpatient care, you know, you're lying in a, you're lying in a hospital bed. We have lots of people join our programs from hospital beds since being online which is just phenomenal mm. and we want to do a lot more of that um so developing partnerships with other health charities so we get we get in front of their audiences uh, but also developing um relationships with with wider funders to uh, to enable that so so that's the kind of big picture but in terms of um, I don't know if anyone's listening either knows somebody living with uh, living with chronic pain, living with a long-term health condition, then do check out our website. We have a free community, uh, free community platform that people can join and access support. Um, it's a great resource that provides lots of introductory practices as well as that, that really essential peer support of other people like me who live with the condition like me. So we have lots of special interest groups that uh, is tailoring the conversation to the condition that, that you live with and how mindfulness and compassion-based practice can can be of support so yeah you can check out our community platform on our website which is uh, breathworks-mindfulness.org.uk and also our founder uh, runs a uh, guided practice every tuesday evening free to join seven o'clock bst time yeah anyone can come along and just uh, have that moment of calm in their in their day, whether you live with a health condition or don't, that's uh, that's really open and accessible for for everyone who wants to join. Fantastic! Thank you for sharing that with us, Helen. That's mm. that is really helpful, and it's been really great hearing about your journey and your experience as well. So I appreciate it. Thank oh, you thank you. Be good to speak to you. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity.